Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. My goodness, I'm glad anybody's here this morning. <laughs> I tell you what, I, the preacher goes off on vacation. It looks like everybody else does, too. <laughs> but I'm glad that you are here this morning. We welcome you and uh, hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way today because we are here to worship the Lord. And we welcome our guests, especially with us this morning. Uh, hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together. Uh, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind you of the attendance sheets that are on each row on the clipboards there. I'd like to ask, if you would, to take that and to fill it out, check the appropriate box on there so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And especially if you would like to be on our um, email news list. We put out a, a, a newsletter every Thursday by email. And if you'd like to be on that list, be sure we get your email address on the attendance sheets there this morning. Several things that are coming up on um, Thursday of this week, our children will be going to Passport Kids. Uh, that's this Thursday. And uh, we have a good group of kids that are going to Passport Kids down in Tennessee, and that's a, that's a great opportunity for them. So we will be keeping them in our prayers uh, as they make that trip and as they have that experience down there. Also, you'll notice in your bulletin that we are looking for some helpers to uh, work in our nursery. Um, we have a number of uh, children, a uh, number of infants and toddlers that we need to take care of during our Sunday school hour and during our worship hour. So we're looking for some volunteers that can help with that. And speaking of the nursery, we are also uh, in the process of cleaning it up and getting it painted and uh, getting things straightened out over there. So uh, we're going to be working on that on Wednesday and Saturday. So any volunteers we can help uh, get to help with that, uh, we would certainly appreciate it. One other thing. On the week, not this coming week, but following week, uh, July the 21st through 25th, we're going to be having um, a mission time here in Henderson. We're Instead of doing a uh, mission trip somewhere else, we're doing a mission trip here in Henderson. And we're going to be doing some mission projects here. And we invite you to uh, be a part of that. And, um, and it's a little bit different because when you're on a mission trip, you work you know, day up, sun up to sundown, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing. But since it's here in town, if you can fill in a couple of hours here, a couple of hours there, we would certainly appreciate that. And there is a sign up sheet right over on the bulletin board down here. And you're, you can put in the hours that you can work. Uh, we'd love for you to be able to work all day. We're going to be working from 12, at 12 noon until 8 in the evening. And that includes coming back here about seven and sharing a meal and a devotion time together as well. Uh, so hopefully you'll, you can be involved with that and uh, please sign up. Uh, anything that you can do will be a help to us. So we would appreciate that. One of the things we like to do here at Community Baptist is to have a moment of greeting each other. So let me invite you to stand up and turn around, shake the hands of the people around you and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
can stand and sing with us. Come now is the time.
Let us pray. Oh Lord, we have come before you this morning to seek your face, to worship you, to acknowledge that you are the Lord of all creation. You are the creator and sustainer of all that we see and all that we do. You are the source of life, the giver of all that is good, the one who fills our hearts with purpose and with joy. And so we seek your presence with us this morning that we may bring our sacrifice of worship before us, that we may praise your holy name, that we may see your glory as you show your face to us. And so we pray today, O God, that you would accept the words that we speak, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, and that you would draw us all close to you. Amen. and girls, this morning, where you're going to be over here in my brother John Dunham. You can tell who I've been watching on TV, can you? Dunham, anyway, Dunham. Uh, you're on the stick, dude, and all that. But he's going to be over here. He's talking about something about enlightening. And I want you to be able to do that. If you need somebody to help you, of course, we don't have a lot of folks. We have a lot of folks. Last week, it was spread from New York City or Pennsylvania to Gulf Shores. Today, it's Gulf Shores to Las Vegas. So we have people all over the place today, and we're glad that you're able to be here. Okay, John. And now it's time for Silly Songs with Laddie, the part of the show where Laddie comes out and sings a silly song. So without further ado, Silly Songs with Laddie. The Water Buffalo Song. Everybody got a water buffalo. Everybody's got 
everyone's got a water buffalo and everyone does not have a water buffalo. We're going to get nasty letters saying, where's my water buffalo? Why don't I have a water buffalo? And are you prepared to deal with that? I don't think so. Just stop being so silly. This has been Silly Songs with Laddie. Tune in next time to hear Laddie sing. Everybody got a baby kangaroo. Thank you very much. We realize today we have five members missing from our praise team, uh, about 12 from our choir, 
and about 30 or 40 of congregation folks. So we hope, uh, we'll be, we won't, I'll be gone for camp next week, but we hope you're back and everybody else will be back the week after that. Do you want to remind you, we are, as far as, as far as the camp kind of thing, we do have a chaperone meeting. Uh, right following our service today, where we'll give guidelines, we have five chaperones this year. That is a record, and we're looking forward to being able to spread the joy uh, that we do. Usually it's but one or two of us, it's about two of us, and uh, when somebody takes all the other, and that's hard. So we're excited about that this year. We'll have a meeting about that. Also, we do have a couple of scholarships, and we haven't had this, we haven't brought this up all year, but I haven't heard what we're getting from the group that's going to divvy all that stuff out yet. So we want to make sure we have our scholarships covered. If you want to pay for a kid to go to camp, there are people that say, I want to go to camp, or their parent will come and say, I want my kid to go to camp. And I say, how much is it? And I say, $225. And they give you this look, and some of you understand what that look means. Uh, $225, just like that. And that's hard to do for a lot of folks. Now, some of you, that may not be such a big deal, but a lot of folks, that's a big deal. So we have some folks who are going to be able to go simply because other, those of us will try to help in other ways. So if you can help us in that, you can write us a check to CBC Designated Passport Kids, and that will help them out in that and make a big difference. Let's stand as we sing again. I'll send a lot. your heads yet. The lot, Nebby said, Herb, you do really good joys of giving, but they're not funny. So the next time you do a joy giving, it's got to be funny.
So I'm going to tell you a funny story, and it's really funny because it's on my family. Uh, my aunt died about a year ago, and we gathered as sort of a celebration and remembrance of, the, of her, and we told the funny stories about her and everything. Now, my aunt was a very wealthy woman, and like most wealthy women, she carried no money. That's probably why she was wealthy. Everybody else sponged for her. Uh, well, we all gathered up in northern Kentucky because one of my brothers was getting married. And we were running a little late. We piled in a bunch of cars to drive to the service, and my aunt was driving. And there's a toll bridge between Newport and Covington or wherever, and she didn't have any money for the toll. Well, now, the groom was in the back with half of the groom's party, and we were following her. And she was, you know, we, we heard her, we saw her going out like this and waving her arms, and finally they just opened the gate and she went through, and we were next. And the guy says, listen, there was this crazy lady in front of you all. She claimed she didn't have any toll, but you all would pay her toll. And my father said, well, that's my crazy sister, and I'm going to pay her toll. So we all laughed. But, you know, that's sort of like us in a way. We are here to give. And many times we pay somebody else's toll so they can go to the great wedding feast that God has in favor for them and waiting for them. And the gifts that you give today will maybe enable somebody to go through the toll bridge and join the great celebration that God has for them. Was that okay, Nibby? Okay, <laughs> let's bow for a quick word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you for how wonderful you have been for us and to us continually every day. And we thank you for this opportunity to pay the toll that hopefully will allow someone to attend your great celebration that you have set for them. Be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.
We are privileged to have with us today our uh, guest preacher, uh, Reverend Bob Hicks, and his wife Sally is here with us today. Um, Bob is ordained in the Disciples of Christ Church, and he has been here in Henderson for probably just a little over a month, just a little over a month now, as the Executive Director for Habitat for Humanity, uh, the local affiliation here in Henderson. Uh, He has been involved with Habitat for Humanity in Florida, and he comes here uh, from being the executive director of the Habitat Humanity affiliate in Brunswick, Georgia. Now, I know that uh, that they said of Jesus, what good can come from Nazareth? And some of you may be thinking, what good can come from Georgia? Well, they were wrong about Jesus, and you're wrong about Georgia. (laughs) Good things do come from Georgia. Much to your surprise, I'm sure. But uh, one of those good things that have come from Georgia is Bob Hicks. And we are looking forward to uh, the ministry that he has for us here in this community through Habitat for Humanity. And we are looking forward to his words of uh, inspiration for us today. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Tim. Of course, in Georgia, they were saying what good can come from Kentucky. But uh, I never was able to convince them, except this past year when the cats let me down so many times, struggling against the dogs. I'm grateful to be here. I'm thankful that this is the first opportunity to which I've been invited to speak before a congregation. You can take a preacher out of the church, but you can't take the church out of a preacher. And I enjoy sharing what I believe God has put on my heart from time to time with his people. And I'm thankful to be here in this congregation. I'm going to ask that you turn with me, first of all, to the 15th chapter of Deuteronomy. I want to read just a few verses there, more or less just to set the stage for the more familiar scripture from the 10th chapter of Luke. I'm reading verses 7 and 8 and 10 and 11. This is a time when God's people have gathered together under the leadership of Moses. In the promised land, they are settling down to become God's people, to understand what it is to be God's people. And through his servant Moses, God is careful in laying down various and sundry aspects of of his thinking, of his will. And as a portion of that, he shares these verses which for me have become absolutely the bedrock for my work, my understanding of what Habitat for Humanity is all about. Beginning with the seventh verse. God says, if there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Continuing with the tenth verse, God says, Give generously to him, 
and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything that you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and the needy in your land. In the Gospel of Luke, in the 10th chapter, I'm about to share with you a parable of Jesus' teaching that is exceedingly familiar. Perhaps as familiar as those early days that we were in Sunday school. Or, excuse me for relying to referring to the water buffalo song earlier, perhaps it was a part of a children's message. But in the 10th chapter of Luke, beginning with the 25th verse, we read, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? And the expert answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the expert wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same row, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity upon him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell upon, fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy upon him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. May the Lord bless our understanding of these words. And as we go through Our activities of this week, may our meditations upon our heart be acceptable to him. People often say that a picture is worth a thousand words. If that be the case, what does compassion look like?
The parable of the Good Samaritan is a picture. It is an illustration of what Jesus meant when he said to the expert, for a person to love another, for a person to care for his neighbor as he would care for himself. Oftentimes when we read this parable, it first probably incites a sense of our judgment, our condemnation even, on the priest and the Levite, who going down the same road as the man who was robbed, look and see and then keep on going on. You and I tend to hold preachers and pastors to a different standard most of the time. They're supposed to do what we want. They're supposed to feel what we don't. They're supposed to resist that in which we so eagerly and easily indulge. They're supposed to share from resources less than what most of the time we have to call upon. So also sometimes do the deacons and the Sunday school teachers of our church, the modern day Levites, so to speak. We expect them to be flawless in their decisions and blameless in their actions and their activities as they guide us and direct us as church officers. Please understand me this morning. I'm not dismissing the need of our clergy and the officers of the church to be held accountable. But how many of us, us ordinary church members, also pass the needy, also pass up the opportunities to show our compassion to others. The really important point that Jesus was trying to make in telling this parable is not to ask whether or not we are like the priest or the Levite. But what does it take to be more like the Samaritan? What if this morning our focus was not upon the character of the Samaritan, but on the last, per, last part of verse 27? What if for a definition of compassion, we really heard Jesus' approval of the admonition, love another as you would love yourself? Who among us this morning who watches any amount of television has not heard the loud, boisterous, noisy voice of Billy Mays. You know, that character, that, that super salesperson who gets on the TV and wants to sell you some fantastic cleaning agent. And wait for, I'll send you another one if you'll call right now for the same 1995. In our day of ear-blasting commercials, 
for cleansers and incredibly useless gadgets that we've got to have and automobiles and sports drinks. There's a new commercial for the awareness of drug and substance abuse that recently aired and caught my ears and my eyes and my mind. In this commercial, there's a couple of people illustrating all kinds of persons from walks, different walks of life, crying out for help, but you can't hear them. They're young and they're old. They're black and they're white. They're male and they're female. They're seemingly affluent and intelligent. And they're seemingly successful. They're seemingly persons who would be in constant public awareness. And some of them aren't. Each one cries out for help. But no one hears their cry. The first time I thought maybe the sound had gone off my TV. I pulled up the volume. And then I began to think, do we hear anymore these days the cries of those who are beaten down, those who are exploited, those who are robbed? those who are left alongside in the ditches of this affluent culture that we live in every day. You see, not all cries for help are audible. Doesn't it take these days horrific scenes of destruction and suffering to move us to have compassion? to cause us to respond to so much need because there's so many calls, so many appeals that our ears have grown calloused. Our hearts just don't hear the cries. We don't see the people laying in the ditches along our daily paths. Do you think we might better understand Jesus' example of the Samaritan? If instead of comparing his response to the man, in the, to his, instead of com, uh, comparing his response to the needs of the man in the ditch with those of the priest and the Levite, that we might rather see the actions of compassion from the one who received them, who benefited from them. What if you and I felt the hurt? What if you and I felt the pain of the hits and the kicks, of being thrown down into the rocky ground, of the sting of the sand and the dirt and the gravel in our cuts and scrapes? What if we could feel the frustration at first of not being able to defend ourselves, of having 
So many attack us. And then simply feel the weight of being overwhelmed and succumbing to the hands too strong for us. Could we even begin to bear the humiliation of such a predicament? The defeat of having lost what we had worked hard for to provide for our family. To buy the groceries, to pay the rent or the mortgage, to take care of those who looked to us for our well-being. What if when we saw help coming down the road, we tried to cry out, but our throats were so choked with the dirt and the dust of the ditch and our muscles so bruised that we could barely mumble an audible cry for help or raise an arm to wave for attention. What would attempting to put ourselves in the very situation of the one who is hurt and needing help give us a better understanding of what compassion is all about? That compassion is an action word. It is an activity of caring. Alleviating someone else's pain, someone else's misery and misfortune is not just a concept to study during Sunday school or Wednesday evening? Would it help us to better understand the real focus of our Lord's teaching if we defined compassion as loving another as we love ourselves? Wouldn't you want someone to stop and help you if you were the one down in the ditch hurting, needing help? Listening to her pain and the humiliation that she felt, the frustration that she endured, the hopelessness that crept into her struggle to provide for her daughter. Whenever Jenny tells her story of losing everything she had to an identity theft, I think of just how contemporary still is Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. You see, only an extension cord that was strung from a neighbor's house provided the electricity for one light bulb. In the old, run-down, 60s version travel trailer in which she and her daughter resided. A garden hose provided the only water that they were able to use. And they had to carry the wastewater tank to a campground to empty it every other day. They ate only cold meals or at fast food restaurants because they had no kitchen in that 
very small trailer. Their only source of heat during the Georgia winter was a kerosene heater. These two daughters of God were in a proverbial ditch, beaten down, passed by one governmental agency after another whose purpose is to help the destitute. Can you even begin to imagine the despair a loving parent feels for a child because she cannot afford and adequately protect and provide for her? One day, a shopkeeper from an area clothing store brought Jenny to Habitat for Humanity. Elizabeth had already found an apartment and paid the deposits on the rent and upon the utilities. But she wanted more for Jenny and Samantha. With compassion, you see, she went the extra mile. And just before Easter this past spring, Jenny and Samantha moved into a brand new house, funded and built by the members of five different congregations who had come together and pooled their resources and their time and their sweat and their experiences to build a simple, decent house. One of the first celebrations in that house was teenage Samantha's hosting her church youth group on a Sunday evening. I wish I had the time to share with you the blessed experiences that I could call recall upon from, from my involvement of seeing people demonstrate that that's what compassion is. Loving another as you would love yourself. When you look at this parable, it's easy to recognize a few things. First of all, there's no preconceived limit to what the Samaritan will do for the man in the ditch, to getting back up on his feet again. Compassion does not count the cost. Compassion's first agenda item is to meet the need. And compassion knows no limit. You know, that's a good thing, given God's compassion for you. And for me. Has he not found some of us beaten down by our sins, robbed of our eternal inheritance, left for dead in the ditches of substance abuse, of greed and lust and pride and prejudice? And disobedience. And yet with his compassion. 
He lifts us up and He washes us of our sin stains. My favorite verse in the Old Testament is from Isaiah. He was pierced for my transgressions. The Scripture says ours, but own it, folks, for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was upon Him. By His wounds, I am healed. That's compassion. The second thing that Jesus would teach from the parable is for us to recognize that there was no concern of the Samaritan for his own safety or for any humiliation that he might endure from his peers for doing what he did. I'd have you to understand that the Samaritan just did not give just some money to see the problem go away. He also dared to get his hands dirty. He also dared to get that bloody man's blood all over his clothes. He also dared to walk alongside the donkey instead of riding it so that he could put the injured man upon it. What a reflection of Jesus Christ, whom Paul says in Philippians, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He humbled himself upon a cross and became obedient unto death, even death on that cross. The third thing that can come from our understanding this parable of the Good Samaritan is that the Samaritan put no judgment nor obligation upon the beaten man left to die. Nowhere in the story is there a requirement that the injured man had to pay back the Samaritan the cost of his care. Nowhere in the scripture does the Samaritan say to the beaten man, now you've got to come with me to church. So often, when we do things as a congregation of God's people, we expect them the next Sunday to be in the front pew, don't we? Instead, Paul also says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, any fellowship with his Holy Spirit, if there is any tenderness and compassion in humility, consider others to be better than yourselves. Look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. For your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Finally, the setting of the parable that Jesus told is the setting of an ordinary day in the life of four people. 
The Samaritan simply was going down the same road, attending to his business. I was glad to hear Pastor Tim's announcement that your mission endeavors in a couple of weeks are here. Because you don't have to go off somewhere else to serve Christ and be compassionate. There are plenty of hurts. There are plenty of needs. There are plenty of injustices right here where we go day and night to and fro. This morning on the news... There was an interview with our country's Secretary of State, Congolisa Rice, and her efforts looking beyond the end of her term as Secretary of State to a, to a cause that she wants to champion and become involved in, in helping the victims of the various and sundry wars and conflicts all across the world. Precisely in drawing our attention to the women who are raped by the conquering and fighting factions in all of the different struggles in which people are engaged. And she's become aware of that concern simply in the course of her activities and her work as Secretary of State. Will you have the time this week? Will you have the time next week when it's scheduled for you to be involved in mission activities? To feed the hungry? To tutor a student? To encourage a parent besieged with the problems of their home, perhaps even to nail a board or paint a wall. I'd like to end this afternoon, this, this message this morning, with a prayer concern that I think will be very close to the closing hymn that I see in your bulletin. James Christensen wrote this prayer that I'm about to read and to pray and to ask that you join with me to understand and to see what compassion is all about. Jesus, our Master, whose heart was moved with compassion towards the weak and the oppressed, and who was more willing to serve than to be served. We pray for all conditions of people, for those lacking food and shelter or clothing, for the sick and all of those who are wasting away by disease, for the blind and the deaf and the lame, for prisoners, for those long oppressed by injustice, for those who have lost their way in society, for the corrupted and the morally fallen, 
for the lonely and the depressed, for the worried and the anxious, for all who are living faithfully in obscurity, for those fighting bravely in unpopular wars and causes, for all who are serving diligently and dependably, and for those who stand in the valleys of decision. For those who are suffering the consequences of misdeeds repented of. For all the family circles broken by death. For those faced by task simply too great for their powers. Let the power of Jesus' Spirit be strong within us and give us compassion for those for whom we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Bob, for painting us a beautiful picture of compassion. Um, it is something that uh, we all need in our lives, and something that we all um, strive for as we seek to be disciples of Christ. So thank you for reminding, of, reminding us of that. Printed in your, hymn, in your uh, worship folder, we have our closing hymn, Soften My Heart. Um, which is the prayer that we all have as we conclude our service today. And I hope that your hearts have been softened today with a spirit of compassion. And we'll give you an opportunity to respond today in any way that you would like. If you would like to uh, make a commitment to Christ or to unite with our church, we invite you to do so as we sing together, Soften My Heart. May we go from this place with softened hearts, filled with compassion and the knowledge that our neighbor is the one who needs us the most. Strengthen us, O oh God, to be the neighbor.
to our neighbor in need and give us the strength to live compassionate lives and to involve our lives in the lives of others. It is in your Son's name that we pray this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our friend. Amen. Thank you. 